The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. Welcome to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. May is Asian and Pacific American Heritage Month, a month that honors and celebrates Asian American and Pacific Islander identity, also known as AAPI. While there are many events that recognize this special month, it is important to acknowledge that this time feels different. The wave of anti-Asian violence and racism that has negatively impacted the community is something that cannot be dismissed. We continue our series called AAPI at Cornell, where you will hear the stories of Cornell staff members in their authentic voice, celebrating their heritage and the joys of being Asian and Pacific Islander, while also naming the very real concerns that they experience in this moment. My name is Toral Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. And you are listening to AAPI at Cornell. In the third part of our series, we engage with a new group of staff members, Caleb Yu, Heihei Depew, and Christina Liang. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being part of the show today. Why don't we start with some introductions? Christina, do you want to start? Sure. Thank you for having me. My name is Christina Liang. I use the she, her, and hers pronouns. I currently serve as interim judicial administrator at Cornell. I've been in that role for a hot minute, for about five months at this point, but I've been at Cornell for about six years at this point, doing a lot of student conduct, primarily student conduct work. Salient identities. I identify as a first-gen college and law school grad, a daughter, a sister, oldest sibling. English is my second language. I'm a vegan. That's probably a big part of my identity as well. So the one that I hold near and dear to my heart is I am the child of immigrants. Uh, my parents are Chinese immigrants. They're from a southern part of China known as Guangzhou. So that's me. Hey, hey, how about you? Hi, everyone. My name is Hey Depew. I go by she, her, hers. I'm also first generation uh, Chinese American. I am the first in my family to graduate from college. I am Toisan, which is, uh, you know, I come from a region in, in China not a lot of people know about. We speak a certain dialect of Chinese. And when I think about my identity, I just think of myself as somebody from Brooklyn who grew up with a very interesting intersection of identities in a place that's very multicultural and then coming to a place that is a little bit more homogenous and bringing all of that experience and, and that sort of identity with me in this space. Great. Hey, hey, what about your role at Cornell? I am a financial analyst at Cornell and I'm also the chair of the employee assembly, but outgoing chair of the employee assembly, there's going to be a new chair, which I'm really excited about. I've worked with her before and I'm just really excited about the future of the employee assembly and all the partnerships that we've built. Hey, my name is Kale Yu. I go by he, him, his, and I am a career coach at the Career Services Center on campus, and I work with graduate students and international students. Some of my salient identities are I'm Chinese, I identify myself as Asian, I'm an immigrant myself, was born and grew up in China, later moved to States for school. English is my third language. I'm a diehard Celtics fan a husband and a father and a Christian. So let's talk a little bit about the heritage. I know that each of you described being a first generation and moving here. So how has your heritage shaped the person that you are today? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question because when I think about heritage, like words that come to my mind, right? Like my values, my belief system, those are the things that come to my mind. And 
you know, as um, a first-gen college student, um, I also grew up in, in, in Brooklyn, like, hey, hey, and, you know, so much of that is interspersed with, like, my cultural identity, my parents' culture, and then also American culture, right, in this, in this major metropolis, and so I think about the values that my parents instilled in me, like, you know, work very, very hard and try your very best, keep to yourself, right, do your own work, do your part, and, you know, what you can do today, don't do tomorrow, those types of things that I think perhaps a lot of folks from, uh, from our community can, can relate to. I think my heritage shapes every decision that I make in my life, right? So the risks that I take, the risks that I don't take, how this will affect my family, how it'll affect how close I can be with my family and how responsive I can be with them is, is really how I see it shaping who I am. A large part of the reason I kind of ended up in Ithaca, I think, is related to my heritage and how important family is in, in that way, right? A large part of my family is still in New York City. And during the pandemic, the ongoing pandemic, it's been really hard, right? Being away from them and not having that physical connection with them. And it, it shapes the professional decisions that I make in my life as well, right? How far I want to be from my family, the places that I want to, to end up because, you know, my my family may one day move in with me, right? Those are the things that I think about. And so I think it's very much my day-to-day, but also my value system, the things that I choose to get involved in and how I represent my family in every setting. I think a lot of what Christina says resonates so much with me because we have so many things in common, being first-generation Chinese-Americans, college graduates, children of immigrants, um, growing up in Brooklyn, I feel like when I think about my heritage, there's so much I appreciate about being Chinese and so much I appreciate about being American. When you grow up with this sort of dual identity of being Chinese and American, I feel like you have one foot in one door and one foot in another space. You know, there's this identity that you you grow up much like Christina. English was not my first language, but it's definitely the one of the language I'm most proficient in now. And my values as a Chinese person, my commitment to the elderly, my commitment to, you know, the customs, my, you know, my connection to the beliefs and a lot of these traditions that I hold near and dear, you know, those are not American, but I think um, a lot of the things I celebrate like Christmas and Thanksgiving, a lot of those are culturally American things. And sometimes I feel there's this sort of reconciliation of who you are and how you sort of define yourself when you think about your heritage because so much of it is influenced by not just, you know, being an American, but by this identity as as a Chinese person in America. And I think that's so different and it looks so different for different Chinese people, you know, having listened to the other podcasts and, and being able to see how other people have navigated their identity in America has been really eye opening for me and really educational. And I really appreciated the opportunity to learn from other people and see what their experience was like. Because it's not just like my experience or or Christina's, even though ours are are very similar and we've ended up here in Ithaca in the same space, it's really neat. But everybody's path to get to the space has been so different and it's been so, so informative to to hear about all these different stories. Yeah, I think both Christina and Haley talked about like how heritage shaped or uh, impact their, their value. And I think that's definitely something that I would also agree with or identify like moving to states in my life had gone through this kind of firsthand experience of like experiencing two different cultures and really kind of try to wrestle within myself like okay now which one 
which one I identify with more or which one represents me more. But then at one point I felt like, oh, I want to get rid of one, but just keep to the other. Then eventually I realized, you know, everything's intertwined together and, and one is not better than the other, but they, when they come together, they sort of like complement each other and makes you a better person and, and makes this world a better place, in fact. And so when I think about my heritage, I definitely think about like how that impacts my way of like living my life. Even like thinking about the job that I'm doing right now, it really helps me to connect with a large percentage of our international students, which are Asian. And so it really makes sense when sometimes they share with me, like, this is actually something that I'm interested in, but I'm pursuing this career or I'm pursuing that major because that's what's important for my family. And I, I felt like, yeah, it makes sense to me because that's kind of like where I see my part of heritage that helps me even in my career these days. Yeah, I have to say that something that all three of you said is this concept of being bicultural, right? Caleb, you just mentioned it. I think that's something that all of us live. And so as growing up, I always looked at it like from a two different lens. And one of the lens that I think I had for a little while that I got out of that mode quickly, but it's this concept that maybe I don't belong in either space, right? Because I'm not like, so as you know, that I come from India, so I'm not truly Indian, but I'm also not truly American because like all three of you, I was born in a different country. I migrated here. So I'm actually an immigrant myself um, and my kids are first generation Americans. So that was my viewpoint for a while that I didn't quite belong in either space because I had one foot in both. And now my viewpoint trying to switch that and putting a positive spin on it to say like, that's a great thing that I actually can step in either space at any given time, right? I could be over here if I want to be. So I can go ahead and still celebrate like to his point, the Thanksgivings and the Christmases, even though it's not part of my heritage, but then I can also then step back into the other space and dress traditionally, speak the language, you know, cook the food and kind of celebrate that. So the message that I send my kids or share with my kids is that this is a great thing and this is a positive thing. And so I've kind of changed the viewpoint of it all completely. And that's, that's actually kind of cool. Can I just jump in there, Twirl, because I think it's so interesting because I think a lot of it is imposed on us too right? Whether it be from American culture or cultural heritage from our family is this notion of you have to pick one, right? Or you have to find one that is the most dominant piece. And some of that is perhaps societally imposed upon us too, right? You're, you're American. What does that mean to be American, right? And, and we see a lot of that tension, I think, day to day. And it's kind of like a rewiring. I feel like you're kind of talking about too, this idea of it's both, right? It's just part of who I am. I don't have the ability to wake up and say, okay, today I'm going to be Chinese and tomorrow I'm going to be American, right? That's just not how it works. So I really appreciate you saying that because it's a, it's a struggle, right? Mm Because a little bit of that immigrant mentality is okay. You assimilate, so you're accepted and then life will be easy. And who doesn't want life to be easy, right? But guess what? Life's not easy. (laughs) So I really appreciate you saying it's, it's that reframing piece. So something that I'm hearing all three of you talk about is really family, right? And it's it's the word that all of you have repeated. So let's talk about kind of that atmosphere for you. And are there any traditions that your family celebrates that maybe others don't know about? What's unique? So my family is Chinese, but a lot of our traditions are based on the lunar calendar. And a lot of the things that we celebrate, you know, are, you know, the lunar festival and also uh, the Qingming festival, the moon festival, and all of this is based on 
the moon. So it changes every year, the dates. And I, I love these traditions. Do I believe in the ideas behind them that, you know, my ancestors are in the sky and I'm lighting incense and they're receiving all my prayers and wishes for all my well wishes. Uh, I don't, but I love this idea that this is a tradition that's been passed down hundreds, thousands of years, and I'm going to continue doing it. Hopefully, you know, the traditions will continue. And I think it's so important to, to have a way to, to pay respect to your heritage, where you're from, the things that you hold dear. It's part of your values. But also there are things I celebrate. For example, my sister's married to a Greek person, so they have Greek Orthodox holidays. My niece was baptized in a Greek Orthodox church, and I went to her baptism. My brother is married to a Christian Hawaiian woman, and my other brother is going to marry a Japanese American woman. So our whole family is so multicultural, and we all celebrate you know, a lot of these traditions, and we're all so open to learning more about each other's traditions and being a part of it. I think has been really great to say, you know, this is what we do and let's explain why we do it to everybody who's new here. And and then we can do it together and we can learn about all of the other traditions that are important to all of us. So I think it's, it's really, it's just been a wonderful opportunity to learn really. I think it's unique for me is exactly what Hey Hey just shared for my family. We also kind of follow the, the kind of holidays on the Lunar New Year even that's like the way my family remembered or celebrates birthdays, right? So I was born in February, but my, the year I was born, my birthday fell on the first day of the Lunar New Year. And so as Chinese, we all know that Lunar New Year is such a big celebration. And so sort of interestingly, my birthday then just blended into that big celebration where the entire family came together. And so for me, that's such a good memory because we're just not celebrating my birthday with my parents only, but with all the extended family. It's like 20 some, 30 some people all get together. You get more presents, but, <laughs> but that's, a, that's a good time. Like families get together. And so I remember later on, I, when I moved to States, like friends started celebrating my birthday in February. And it was a little bit unnatural for me to kind of, oh, I guess this is also my birthday. This is the day I was born. But the emotional kind of connection is some sort of missing there. Or then I need to start building like, oh, this also means like, yeah, I get to celebrate. This is my birthday and whatnot. And something else for me, which is important, which a lot of Chinese families share is what the role like food or eating plays in all these like traditions and celebrations. So whenever I think about like family tradition, holidays, like food is definitely a, a huge part definitely yummy food, but you also share that with your family. That's like even a more intimate kind of environment and and feeling for me, kind of nostalgia. Now that when I think about like the ability to celebrate and eat with entire family every year, now I don't get to do that as often. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the family tradition that came to my mind right away for when you asked the question is actually Thanksgiving. And my family celebrates like just textbook American Thanksgiving, right? Which is so funny to me because I don't think anybody in the family knows how to cook a turkey properly. I don't know that a lot of Americans know how to do it, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Turkey is just one of those things, right? But um, we celebrate Thanksgiving actually because we moved into our first house on Thanksgiving day. So Mm. my family, uh, they brought a duplex, my uncle and my dad, and we were all kind of this one big happy family in this in this duplex in Brooklyn. And we moved in 
on Thanksgiving Day, you know, years and years ago. And so Thanksgiving then became kind of this like anniversary celebration of us being together and kind of connected to the meaning behind Thanksgiving, being grateful, right? Being uh, thankful for all the things that we have and we've worked hard for. And since then, I would say our family has kind of split up into different parts of New York City, right? We've kind of moved out and moved into our own homes and we still do it. You know, we still get together at my grandparents' house and everybody brings stuff. I'm in charge of the turkey nowadays, which is like super ironic and, and uncomfortable <laughs> since I'm a vegan, but I, I do it for the family, right? And all those different pieces. And it is so meaningful to me because it's also the part that stands out for me is I'm the only one who doesn't live in New York City right now. So all my sisters, my cousins, everybody is still in New York City. So to be able to be part of what I think is really important to our family in that way is, is really meaningful. And something I think about as another tradition is, you know, we've talked about Lunar New Year. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to miss school for like any reason, right? Like you had a fever, you probably should go to school, even though you should probably stay home, right? Like you're going to school, you're fine, right? You'll wear away, right? Drink some water. And so for Lunar New Year, it's not, um, growing up, it was not acknowledged as, uh, I went to public school, it wasn't acknowledged as a, as a holiday. And so you'd go to school, it lands on a weekday. But my mom always made sure that, you know, we observed all the traditions. I, I would wear red, I would wear traditional outfits. And for her, I think it was kind of this like silent protest, right? Of like, okay, our values, our school is important. So she's going to school because it's a school day, but she's going to observe Lunar New Year in the way that we would want her to if she was home with us, right? And so those are the pieces I remember too, because I remember going to school and students would like ask me, oh, well, why are you dressed funny today? Or whatever kids say. And you'd have the opportunity to to just bring about awareness and, and share kind of why this day is really important to you. And sometimes, you know, I remember some of my teachers asking about it too, and then say, you know, can you share with the class about what it means to be with us today, as opposed to being with your family to celebrate Lunar New Year and things like that. So those are the things that come to my mind in terms of tradition. For me, I think as a culture, there's so many different traditions that we celebrate and, and some that have been Americanized, right? And so I tell people, I was like, did you know that the color run that we have it here in the United States comes from a holiday that we have in India? And so we have a holiday, it's called Holi, it's H-O-L-I. And it's essentially, it's like a two day thing. The day before the first day, we light a huge bonfire. And so everybody brings something from their house to be put into this bonfire from the neighborhood. And then the next day we throw color on each other, right? And that's our way of welcoming spring every single year. So you can see some of the bits and pieces that have come over in the U.S. and just kind of applied differently. But one tradition, and it's so funny because I hear all of you say, not necessarily funny, but just hear all of you say that your calendars are lunar based and the Hindu calendar is also lunar based, but I'm sure the dates are completely off. And so our new year is also celebrated on a, in a completely different day. And to Hey Hey's point earlier, there it's not on the same date any given year because based on the moon, it changes every year. And I say it usually falls in October, right? Sometimes it's in November. And so a traditional way to celebrate New Year's in India is that you actually get up like way early, like you're up at like three o'clock in the morning, right? Three or four o'clock in the morning. And you go and actually get blessings from all of your elders for the upcoming year. And so it's not it's not the party night before until midnight, like we're used to celebrating. It's actually getting up extra early to go get blessings from your elders for the upcoming year. 
And so being in the US, obviously, like all of my elders are not here. And we have a very, you know, this concept of an extended family. So when I say elders, it's literally like everybody in your neighborhood, everybody that you don't even know, as long as they're remotely older than you, you're going to go get blessings from them. So that's why you get up early, because it's like a huge, you know, a huge day, a long day. And so here, the way we've Americanized it is that we still try to follow that tradition somehow of wishing people like Happy New Year in the morning. So we call. We are on the phone all day long. We call everybody that we know. And it's literally like, Happy New Year. Okay, bye. Happy New Year. Okay, bye. It's like quick, right? Because you're calling so many people. And then like some of us who are, you know, working or in school, we have to figure out how to do this before and after school. Christina, same thing. Like if it falls on a weekday, you're going to school, but then you better come home and call people, right? <laughs> like, and so that's kind of how we've still kind of managed to hang on to the tradition, but modernized it in the United States because we don't all live within walking distance from each other. Technology definitely helps. I feel like these days and like during like major holidays, I know when when our families are getting together, I will just like FaceTime in and they'll just put the camera on the on the table and then mm-hmm. just like kind of rotate it or spin it. And so I get to say, oh hi uncle, oh hi aunt. And then just like just like you, like very short and briefly. Oh, hi, 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 hi. Okay, done. Enjoy the meal. And then after that, they'll like send me photos of like food and whatnot. I'm like, stop it. I'm I'm working now. (laughs) I love how food is incorporated in celebrations. And I I love how food has sort of evolved. Like when I was a kid celebrating Thanksgiving with my family, we didn't like turkey. So we ate roasted duck for Thanksgiving. And now as an adult, I celebrate Thanksgiving with my husband's family are like uh, Irish Catholic and all cook. The only difference between what I'm making and I'm making like cranberry sauce from scratch, mashed potatoes from scratch, the whole thing from scratch is that I'll be cooking the whole thing with chopsticks and we'll have appetizers and there'll be dumplings. Or maybe I'll, I'll have like a uh, spanakopita, which is like a Greek spinach pie, which is what I used to eat with my sister's family when we would celebrate Christmas together. So all these different elements from, you know, my life that sort of come together and, and being able to incorporate all these different things has been really special. And, and food is just so huge and important. I think there's so much tradition passed on through food. I'll make wonton sometimes and I'll make it with friends and I'll teach them how to make it the way my grandmother taught me how to make it and, and we'll incorporate new things. So I just love talking about food. Yeah, I, I love listening to the stories because I know we we always, you know, as we grew up here, we always learn from history that it's like, oh, America is like the big melting pot, right? And then to actually like hear the stories and seeing it all happening, I think that's kind of neat. And so having this Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, what does that mean for you? I think it's a time to celebrate, you know, mm-hmm. celebrate our culture, celebrate our contributions as Asian Pacific American Islanders here in America. I think there's such a rich history and we've been here for such a long time. Um, and that history is sometimes good, sometimes not so great. My brother's fiance, she's Japanese and her grandparents met at the internment camps, you know, for a long while. My grandfather was here, but my grandmother wasn't here. And the immigration policy there kept them apart for decades. So When I think about the history here, I think that it is rife with some issues, but I think there's also a lot that Asians have brought to this country that are really great. And I just love the opportunity to talk to more Asian people and and talk about their experience here because I think I've just learned so much and I feel like it's created a lot of camaraderie within this community that I've really appreciated. So I, I really am so thankful for these opportunities. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's definitely a time to to celebrate. But I felt like for me, maybe it's slightly different than Christina and Heihei, who was born and grew up here. Like coming from China to the States, I mean, I felt like I just came from a place that was full of Asian or Chinese people that looked just like me. And so, I mean, back in China, we didn't have anything like this, right? And so when I first came here, I felt like, oh, I start seeing like people that look different than me. And obviously you, you have this kind of, you sort of gravitate towards people that look like you and then try to kind of get to know the history or start to know like, oh, this is what it means to be diverse and, and whatnot. But I feel like for me, myself, this month also means an opportunity for me to learn just because I feel like coming from China, I didn't have the opportunity to learn about all these things and seeing how the society sort of developed in the past couple of years, I definitely think it's important for us to keep learning about the history of Asian Americans here in the States so that we can better share, advocate, and educate people around us. Because I feel like if we don't continue learning ourselves, I feel like sometimes we lack up the knowledge or power to even like share our own stories or educate people around us. You know, when I think about these types of you know, naming of each month for you know particular cause or heritage or awareness month, I'm always kind of torn because I think about all the positive things that I think Caleb and Hey have discussed, the, the awareness sharing of knowledge and paying particular attention and kind of taking that pause in our day-to-day to, to share. But then I also think about, well, what about the rest of the year, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. What about, what is the work that we're doing to bring about that awareness? And I have these moments sometimes when I'm talking to my husband, who's Irish Italian, and we'll just talk about like the most mundane thing. We'll be like, oh, you know, growing up, like, what did you do for summer? Like, did you go to summer camp? Oh yeah, you know, I went to lacrosse camp or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I went to math camp. And by math camp, I mean, my dad told me to go to the backyard and recite the multiplication table. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a completely different experience. And I feel like, but for those day-to-day conversations, that awareness regarding the difference in our culture and our upbringing wouldn't happen. And so that's why I feel torn sometimes when I think about, okay, like May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, right? What about the rest of the year? What are we doing to share, to learn, to better understand this diaspora that we are all experiencing? So it's meaningful. I appreciate it because it does make me take a pause, right? To pay close attention to how I'm also sharing knowledge and sharing my experiences. But I wish that I'll share for me. I wish I was better about it, right? The rest of the year, the rest of the time in doing that type of work. Hey, hey, or Caleb, anything to add to that? I would agree that it's good that we have like a month that's dedicated to education or learning, right? But I think it's also a very important question to ask, like, what about the rest of the 11 month? And I think even more so because Asian culture, we sort of value this, like being modest, be humble, don't be that guy that kind of sticks out and kind of don't be loud or don't talk about all your problems, keep it within yourself, respect. And these are great things, but sometimes I feel like these are also the things that hinders us from sharing our stories or hinders us from learning more. 
it needs to be a constant, but also more intentional kind of push, at least for myself, to think about, okay, outside of May, what are some things that I can do to kind of at least keep this momentum going or, or continue to share my stories or continue to learn, not just like, okay, May, when May first rolls around, okay, let me be vocal and let me share with you my story. And, and June 1st come around, okay, you missed the chance. Wait until next May, right? <laughs> so I feel like that is a very good question. And, and I think, at least for me, I need to sometimes like push myself to be more willing to share my stories instead of just like be, not sure humble is the right word or just be quiet. Caleb, you bring up a really great point. I feel like when you grow up the child of immigrants, I think what I've been told is always keep your head down, do well in school, get into college, find a great job, like, you know, do all these things and everything will be fine. And I think when it comes to voicing your opinion or, or being really loud about things that maybe you're seeing or not are a little bit unsavory, I think um, the guidance has been, don't do that. Don't get yourself in trouble. Don't, you know, put yourself out there for that kind of exposure. And I think that can be really difficult when you're trying to reconcile, you know, some of the things maybe you're seeing in out in society with, you know, this desire to kind of just keep your head down and really just try to be as resilient and, you know, under the radar as possible. I worry that we should point in time with the rise in anti-Asian crime and aggression that the microaggressions maybe we've seen in our youth, you know, the commentary about our food, about the way we look, about our names, that is sort of metastasized into something violent and something that I think we have to sort of speak up against. And, and I think that's sort of where I, I find myself when I think about these things, when I think about, you know, growing up Chinese American and some of the direction and the guidance that we've had and, and how that kind of coincides with how I'm feeling right now and how to sort of combat some of the things that we're seeing currently in society. Can I quickly no. say for the record that on May 20th, President Joe Biden signed law into law, the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act that passed through Congress and was sort of a rare show of bipartisan support that is a hate crime bill that I think helps to address some of these anti-Asian incidences that we've seen. So I think maybe that's a good way to end Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Even though we're seeing some things that are kind of unsavory, it's nice to, to see some support and acknowledgement of what we're going through and to see some legislation passed. I think it's pretty huge, especially since we live in pretty divided times. Yeah, like, so for me, like, I'll say that having a specific month, I agree with Christina that, you know, I've been having a hard time, again, I think with all of the celebrations, right, because it is a month and then it's like, what do we do for the rest of the year? And how do we keep these conversations going? But I also have to kind of dig a little bit into what does it mean to even have a heritage month? Like, what's, what's the point of it? Is it just to kind of talk about the history of Asian, Asian Americans and, and when what's happened and that, or is it to really celebrate the traditions and, and the heritage that we bring to the United States? Or is it kind of the next step moving forward, which is to really like, for me, I think that the most ideal situation is it's a celebration of how having Asian, Asian Americans here in the United States has been a positive thing, right? And how it's evolved the American culture and how it's brought that culture to the next level. That's kind of where I would want it to go. And I don't know that like, by saying that we have a heritage month that we're there yet, right? Like, I guess that's kind of what I'm struggling with is, is what's what is kind of the point of having the heritage month. I would hope it's a little bit of everything, right? It's a little bit of, of, of looking at the history. It's a little bit of celebrating all of that. And it's a little bit of recognition of 
the positive influences that Asian culture has brought within the American culture. So I want to thank you all for sharing your stories with us on today's show. And I look forward to continuing this conversation in our next episode. That's it for part three of this four-part special series. For the latest updates on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Cornell, as well as resources to honor and celebrate Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. My name is Toro Patel. My name is Anthony Sis. Thank you for listening to AAPI at Cornell.